quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, Yes Guy certainly can. Episode 107, Yes Guy 107, all set to sail coming up very shortly. Gareth McDonald, our play-by-play voice of the World Junior Hockey Championship. Mike McIntyre, Canadian tennis journalist, talking about the Australian Open and Canadian chances. We'll have Mike Wilson by later on. He's the ultimate Leafs fan with an ultimate book out. And later on, Yes Guy, No Guy with Frankie C. Before we get going, if you are an experienced real estate agent, you should add a distinct advantage and comprehensive value. Contact Charles Park Managing Broker Remax Realty Services Incorporated Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. Call Charles at 647-292-8886 for a confidential interview or contact him via email charlespark at remax.net when you go to the fox40shop.com website you will find the fox40 titan fox40 coaching boards fox40 electronic whistle producing by the way 100 decibels at the push of a button go to fox40shop.com use the code yes guy for 15 percent off your order okay let's get going ah uh, remember this now played up ahead dylan got there comes in with wah Joshua Watford got there and Freddy scores! Dylan Gunther edges it in overtime. It's a moment 20 years in the making here on the East Coast. A golden night in Halifax. Oh, it certainly was. That's the voice of Gareth McDonald. Gareth is with us now. Gareth, how are you? How is your voice? You know what? It's uh, it has recovered, Jim. And fortunately, it did recover for for that call. You know, it's I, I think we talked a lot about Canada getting some redemption against Czechia in the gold medal game. I felt that personally, I got a little redemption as well after what Connor Bedard did to my voice against Slovakia with his <laughs> with his OT winner. But uh, fortunately, yeah, I, I recovered for that gold medal game and still doing okay right now. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, I'm intrigued on a couple of levels. First of all, you know, this this tournament in Halifax and Moncton, but the, the, the key games were in Halifax at the end. What did it mean for Halifax hockey fans, for just the general public, to have this moment? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was uh, it was something. I, th- I think we said it there, you know, 20, 20 years in the making. It was, uh, you know, I, I think when you look back to 2003, I, I was I was still in high school back then. I, but I, I remember watching all of those games. I was captivated the last time Halifax hosted this event. And obviously that one didn't end the way we would have liked. But at the same time, I, I think that Halifax, the way the way the city embraced the event 20 years ago kind of, you know, set the new standard for the way the event is, is hosted here in Canada. And, and I think, you know, we, we got a little shot at redemption here 20 years later, an opportunity at short notice to, to host it again. And, and obviously as, as you were able to, to see on TV, Jim, you know, the, the city once again was, was completely committed and uh you know just completely bought into to this event they embraced it once again and i mean i, I some of those games that we weren't calling I, I had a chance to to take in a couple I, I brought my my daughters to a couple games i mean we were we were there for for germany and and austria and i mean there there must have been eight thousand plus in the building and you know it's we don't exactly have a, a thriving austrian community here in halifax there's no little vienna or anything so uh 
yeah, I mean, they, they completely bought in, and, and uh, it was just a yeah, great buzz in the building for, for that game. And it was, I mean, the whole thing, the whole tournament, just an absolute blast. And, uh, yeah, I think it, it really couldn't have gone any better. Gareth, I have to admit, part of my heart and soul is still out in Nova Scotia. I worked there very early in my career. I started television there at what used to be called CJCH. Um, and, and so I, you know, I can identify with what this would mean. But, uh, you know, you're from Port Hood. What does this mean to a kid from Port Hood, Nova Scotia, to be able to call that game? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty special. I mean, I think, you know, the World Juniors growing up, it, uh, it was something, you know, I think it's, Obviously, I mean, we just saw how Halifax, like I said, how Halifax embraced it. But I feel there's something about this time of year for for small towns, little rural communities like the one that I grew up in. It, it just it it seems to completely, you know, grab the attention of some of these little towns. It's really all anybody talked about. I know when I was growing up, it was something that we were always completely invested in. So yeah, I mean, to to get an opportunity to to call an event like this, uh, you know, an event that just means so much to the country, but definitely means so much to the little towns like mine. I mean, I was hearing from people that I haven't, I haven't heard from since high school, you know, that they heard me calling these games. It meant a lot to them to hear me. And obviously it meant a whole lot to me to, uh, to get to be a part of this. You know, I traveled over to Europe back when I was in university to, to watch it. I was there as a fan, but I mean, obviously nothing, nothing quite compares to, to, to getting uh, a chance to, to call a tournament like this in, uh, you know, Halifax, which is kind of my new adopted hometown. You know, I've been here for, for uh, basically for 20 years now. And, uh, yeah, just getting a chance to, to be a part of it was, was unbelievable. Halifax is a beautiful city. There's no question about that. The city's beautiful. So are the people. I, I know that for a fact. Um, let's talk about this kid who, who grew up in Port Hood. I mean, how did you, how did you get drawn into this business? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I mean, I I, I grew up, you know, like uh, like a lot of kids across the country. Definitely a lot of kids in uh, in parts of you know rural Canada, rural Cape Breton. Let's face it, there's not a whole lot to do in the winter, so a lot of my time was spent either at the rink or you know we had a reservoir like a pond up be, up behind my house that uh, you know me and some buddies we definitely spent a lot of time a lot of time out there, but. I would say, you know, probably pretty early on, I realized that on the ice, I probably wasn't going to make a, a career out of the game, but I wanted to, wanted to stay involved. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that, that, that whole journey kind of took me to Halifax and, you know, from, from there, I, I ended up, I did a, went to King's college. And then after that, I did a broadcasting program. And basically my, I remember my first day of that broadcasting program, there was, uh, I guess a, a little announcement from, from one of our like radio instructors saying, you know, he was looking for a volunteer to, to DJ and in public address announce uh, for a junior a hockey team. And, you know, from, from there, that was basically kind of my, my first in, it was a volunteer job, but uh, by the end of the season, I was calling some games and, uh, you know, at, at the same time, at the end of that first year of that program, I was also working at CTV. So, I, I did a little bit of, you know, actual professional broadcasting while at the same time starting to dabble in, in hockey and, you know, stuck with that for a while, did a few events for Hockey Canada, did basically every level of the game that you could imagine. And and uh, fortunately, back in 2017, when an opening uh, opened up with the with the Halifax Mooseheads, the, the Q League team here. Uh, I was able to uh, to land that opportunity, so I guess that's uh, that's kind of a, a long-winded answer to your question, but that's kind of how it all started. 
Well, I'm also intrigued because in my day, this is what you had to do. You were a, a former television reporter, so I'm assuming you did. You had to do some news first, and then you branched into sports. Is that right? Yeah, and I mean, there's not really, you know, we, we've got uh, Paul Hollingsworth out here who he does news and he does a lot of the Atlantic Canadian sports content for, for TSN, but obviously there's not a there's not a whole lot of sports jobs. So, so yeah, I guess, you know, to, to get that actual real broadcasting experience here, TV seemed like a, a pretty logical way to go about a TV news. And from there, it was just kind of, you know, you basically volunteer. You offer up your services for for anyone who needs it, essentially. So I did, you know, some university level games, some junior A hockey. But like I said, I, I basically I have called. I, I would say every every level uh, of hockey, and uh, and was fortunate. You know, I, I was in TV news for about three four years, and uh, after that, I, I moved on. And I since then, I've, I've worked you know a full time job at the same time with with Hockey Nova Scotia out here in a communications role, but through that was able to to get a couple opportunities with, with Hockey Canada doing just some, some webcasting events for, for things like the World Sledge Hockey Challenge a few years back and uh, the, uh, the TELUS Cup back in 2016 as well. So, yeah, I guess it's, uh, you know, I kind of raised my hand any time there was an opportunity that, uh, that popped up. Gareth, I mean, as you're building your sound, and clearly, you know, the repetition of the work helps that. But when you were starting out, who did you like to listen to and, and who did you, I'm not going to say mimic, but who did you sort of uh, emulate? Yeah, that's, uh, that's another good question. I mean, there's so, so many great broadcasters out there. I mean, I, I look, I, I love the World Juniors, so obviously, you know, I, I love listening to Gord Miller. I, I think he does such a phenomenal job. And, you know, I yeah. think a, a lot of, a lot of broadcasters as well that, you know, a lot of play by play guys, I think they kind of look to a guy like Chris Cuthbert as well as one of those, you know, gold standard guys. And so I, I've always enjoyed listening to those guys, but you know, I, I think I was probably early on when I started with the boost sets, you're still trying to figure out your sound and, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I was used to calling a lot of games, maybe a little more down the middle, you know, more of a neutral observer, but, you know, calling games for, for the Moose Eds, you're, you're expected to perhaps be a little more enthusiastic when the home team scores. So uh, I, I got that feedback, I'd say, early on, and, and I, I kind of looked to a guy like Joe Bowen. I mean, who's a, yeah. a better home team broadcaster than, uh, than Bonesy? So I, I listened to uh, a lot of Joe Bowen's calls over the years. He's, he's one of the best. And another guy, I mean, here in Halifax, you know, we, we were really fortunate to, to have Dan Robertson calling games on yeah. – on East Link here locally for the Mooseheads for for years, and you know I think Dan just has such a, a great sound. He was the you know the former TSN uh, Montreal Canadiens radio guy, and then now he's he's with the Winnipeg Jets this year doing TV. And I, I think Dan is kind of one of those really underrated voices as well in in hockey right now. And he kind of has that classic sound. I remember during an interview, I think it was with Scott Mellonby a few years back, and he. He uh, referred to uh, kind of referenced the sound of Dan, kind of compared it to uh, to Dan Kelly from back in the '80s. And I, I grew up. One of my favorite VHSs as a kid was the the highlights, the Blades of Summer '87, the highlights from the 1987 Canada Cup. That that VHS, I think, almost melted in my VCR. I played it so many times. So I, I definitely I, I can I can hear some of the similarities there as well. So those are those are just a few of the names. But I mean, there's there's obviously there's so many so many uh, names that I respect for sure. 
I mean, Gareth, when you go back to the World Juniors that week, I mean, you just got uh, you had these calls, and of course, it it, it culminates with the with the uh, the gold medal call. But but you had uh, you know your favorite calls just outdo each other by the game, didn't they? Well, they they did, they did, and uh, yeah, I mean, it it was just it was such a blast. I mean, like I said, such a, an honor, a thrill to be a part of that, uh, to be a part of that event, and and the hockey was just you know absolutely phenomenal, and you know to. To see it all in the end culminate with uh, with a golden goal in overtime. I mean, yeah. that's uh, that is pretty tough, pretty tough to top. It was just uh, you know a remarkable experience for me and, and something I'm never going to forget for sure. Gareth, I want to thank you for your time today, and it was a real pleasure working with you on TSN Radio's World Junior Hockey Championship. That was a thrill. Well, it absolutely was. I really enjoyed it, uh, Jim. I love love hearing your show. Love listening to you. Love hearing you. You fill in on overdrive as well. Big fan of your work. So, yeah, getting to work with you was, uh, was definitely a, a real thrill as well. So, uh, so thanks a lot for having me, and, uh, and all the best. Thanks very much. Be well. A distinct advantage and comprehensive value are important ads for any experienced real estate agent. That's what Charles Park Managing Broker, REMAX Realty Services Incorporated Brokerage has waiting for you. Offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive mentoring and coaching, call Charles at 647-292-8886 for a confidential interview or contact him via email charlespark at remax.net. When you go to the fox40shop.com website, you will find hockey products like the Fox 40 Call, Fox 40 Super 4 CMG. Don't forget to pick up a copy of the 40 Ways of the Fox. Ron Foxcroft's inspirational book for new entrepreneurs and business veterans alike, fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one 877 734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 32 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Check out Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan in a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic. Available now in titanium, gold, or matte black. Go to Fox 40 shop. Dot com. All right, let's talk tennis now. We're going to bring in Mike McIntyre, Canadian tennis journalist, co-host of Match Point Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. Mike, welcome. Happy New Year. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Jim. Good to be back talking some tennis with you. So Happy New Year to you. And uh, here we go, some Grand Slam action to start the season. Yeah, the Australian Open starts this weekend. Wall-to-wall coverage all the way through on, on TSN, and they do a marvelous job of covering this. So let's go right away, lickety-split to the Canadians. Uh, a lot of representation here. Can you take us through what they're up against in the early going? Yeah, it's not great draws for the Canadians, unfortunately, uh, especially on the women's side. As you know, Bianca Andreescu and Leila Annie Fernandez didn't have the strongest of seasons a year ago. Bianca started the year uh, on the sidelines by her own choosing to deal with some sort of mental health challenges that she was very open about. And Leila Annie Fernandez missed a good chunk of the season with a foot injury. So they're both looking to reestablish their rankings as they're outside of the top 40. But the draw hasn't been kind to either one of them. And Bianca is in the same section as uh, world number one, Iga Sviantec. They could meet in the third round. But Bianca first would have to get by the 25th seed, Marie Boskova. So that's a challenging opening match in Melbourne for her. And for Leila Annie Fernandez... Uh, she opens against a veteran, Alizé Cornet of France, who has 
I think the longest record for consecutive Grand Slam appearances, but she's a wily veteran and then might have to play fourth-seeded Caroline Garcia in her second-round match. So I think it's going to be a tall order for either one of Canada's top female players to have a deep run here in, in Melbourne. But the good news for fans of both of those players is in this season, they don't have that many points to defend. So I think we could see them back in the top 20 as the season progresses. And on the men's side... Men's side, we got a number six next to Felix Ogiali-Asim's name. He's one of the top players in the game right now, and he's only 22 years old. So really, to me, the sky's the limit for him. And what we haven't seen yet from him is a Grand Slam breakthrough. And I think 2023, uh, it's it's more than within the cards for him. He's looking in great shape. Uh, I saw a picture of him the other day from that Netflix series that's going to be premiering this week. And not only did he have a six-pack, he has like an eight-pack. That kid is in just like... The greatest shape you can imagine. And his serve is is arguably the best on the ATP Tour right now. He's full of confidence, having finished last year with three tournament victories in the fall. So I like him in Australia in terms of Canadian hopes. I think he's the one who has the best chance of going deep. Denis Shapovalov, you know, his game can be up or down, hot or cold. The guy is either the most electric player you've ever seen, or he's committing errors and he's getting down on himself on the court. And uh, which Dennis are we going to see in Australia? The one that pushed Nadal to five sets last year in the quarterfinals or one that could go out early against a player you've never heard of. So that's kind of par for the course for Dennis. Exciting to watch, but you just never know what you'll get. Okay, let's go through some of what you said there. I mean, for, for uh, Dennis Shapovalov, uh, you could almost see the air go out of his game at certain points. You know, he's right on the edge of pushing through that. But there is, uh, I don't know if it's fatigue or how you would describe it, but you do see the air go out of his performance, don't you? Well, he's got one of these high-octane games. I mean, he's going for it on every shot. There's no real plan B with Dennis. Either he's hitting winners with that beautiful one-hand backhand and cracking the forehand and painting the lines, or he's missing the mark, and then he starts getting down on himself. And I, I don't know if you play much tennis, Jim. I'm a, an average player at best, as my friends here in Mimico would uh, would attest to. <laughs> but w- when most players you know, face that adversity, it, tennis is a difficult sport. You don't have that coaching. You don't have a teammate there or a group that can sort of help you rally. you got to figure it out yourself. And, and that's Dennis's biggest hurdle so far in his young career. I mean, he's also young, only 23 years old. But that's the knock against him is when he gets down, he can't find his way back to his um, his best game on the court. And Felix is really, I mean, he really is poised. Tell us first of all about that Netflix series. That sounds intriguing. Well, I just got, I mean, I got into the Drive to Survive F1 show, as I think many people did, sporting fans or casual sporting fans. I wasn't much of a racing fan until I watched that show. And now my wife, my kids and I, we watch every race throughout the season. We're so hooked because of watching that Netflix show. It brought more people to the table. And that's what the organizers of the ATP and WTA tours are hoping it'll do for tennis, is bring more sporting fans, new fans, to see this sport by highlighting the personalities behind the scene. And definitely they want to showcase the young up-and-coming talent. Uh, To my understanding, they're showing it as kind of like in the post-Big Three era with Federer now retired. Nadal's body, who knows how much longer he can go. And and Djokovic obviously still playing strong. But there's going to be new people that are going to take their place, as is always the case in sport. On the women's side, Serena uh, Williams has evolved or retired or whatever you want to call it. So again, it leaves the, the game open to new champions that we don't know about or or sporting fans who aren't really into tennis might not know. That's what this series is going to do. And and to have a Canadian among the you know six male players that are going to be showcased, there's also six female players that are going to be the main sort of personalities. 
Uh, I think it's great to have Felix there. He's such a class act. If you've ever spoken with him or met him, he takes time for all his fans. He's very articulate, very mature for his age, and uh, also heavily involved in, in charitable work. So I just think a great role model, and to see him showcased in, in a series like this is, uh, is really great for Canadian tennis and sports. You know, that's an intriguing subject, because as you were talking about that, I was thinking, well, I have to ask Mike, so, uh, because when we watch a sporting event, you see the sporting event, you're told various things about the individuals, but it's kind of a, I hate to say it, it's kind of a narrow view. Uh, you and I are at these things, um, and, and we get, the like, the full view uh, because we're behind the scenes. Uh, what do you think that, for tennis, what do you think's missing from the equation that people should know that would draw people in. And we're talking about uh, maybe not diehard tennis fans, but people on the edge who, who, who are attracted to the competition, but sort of need something to draw them in. Yeah, you got to learn their personalities. And in tennis, you know, after a tennis match, you might have a 30-second back and forth with, uh, with someone on court with some popcorn questions, some fluff questions that you really can't get much out of. So to see their personalities, to maybe see some of the heroes and villains behind the scenes, and we're definitely going to have a villain by the name of Nick Kyrgios. Uh, some people love him. Some people hate him. <laughs> but my goodness, does he get people talking about tennis with his on-court, not just the way he plays the game, but the, you know, the game that he talks off-court as well. Uh, I, I think that's exactly what tennis needs. And look, when I was growing up falling in love with the sport, it was people like John McEnroe and Jimmy Connors who were definitely the bad boys of tennis that they got me interested with the racket tossing and, and the way they dealt with their opponents and uh, – and that's what the sport needs a little bit. You know, we don't want the country club version of tennis. We want to see tennis for everybody, tennis that people can get involved with and, and really get behind these players for better or for worse. And, and a polarizing figure like Kyrgios, although I'd say, you know, in some ways he's maybe not the best for the sport with some of his behavior and antics. I think it's kind of what it needs to promote the sport and get people talking. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's almost like um, if you're a periphery fan of something, you need something to draw you in that, that kind of is, um, it's not elite. Like the the eliteness of the athlete can sometimes turn you off because you could never get there yourself, right? Like a Roger Federer who just retired. You watch his game. It's the most beautiful game you've you've ever seen. But tennis needs a little bit more sandpaper, I think, to draw more people to uh, to the table. That being said, I think once people start watching the show, and just see how finely tuned these athletes are, how they push themselves, how they train, what they can do on a court. I mean, tennis is not an easy sport. I'm teaching my kids right now, and it, it takes some patience and perseverance. Uh, it's incredible what these athletes can do, both male and female, both sports. And, and I'd argue that tennis is, is the best sport out there in terms of equality between the genders, in terms of on-court product, in terms of uh, financial parity as well. It's great to see it, and I think other sports could really follow suit by following the model that tennis has, has put forth in terms of promoting its male and female talent. So, Mike, when you look at the, the, the slams this year, I mean, last year was, was for the most part, a return to, to normalcy as we knew it. Uh, but now, because the, the different codes have been relaxed in terms of vaccines, it, it really is back to where it was, right? Well, it's great to have Novak Djokovic back out there. And regardless of what you feel on his vaccine stance and some of his other beliefs, what an incredible tennis player, probably the greatest one we've ever seen in the men's game. And he wasn't there in Australia last year, um, or I should say he was there, but he was yeah. being held sort of captive as they yeah. wouldn't let him out of quarantine to actually compete in the tournament. So to have him back, and even though he's got a number four next to his name in the draw, to me, he's still the number one player in the world. And I think he's eager to show people that and remind people of that as he goes for his, uh, it would be, you know, just adding to his record in Melbourne. He's already got nine titles there 
a tenth would really be something. So we were talking about the Canadian hopes. Uh, who from the rest of the world, if you will, are you have have you circled in terms of their draw that you think might do well at the Australian Open? Yeah, well, on the men's side, I mean, really after Djokovic, who to me is the heavy favorite, and you're saying other than the Canadians, because I'd put Felix right up there. Casper uh, mm. Ruud is the number two player in the world and someone that a lot of people aren't super familiar with. He really shot up last year, made the U.S. Open finals where he lost to Carlos Alcaraz, who unfortunately isn't in the tournament with a leg injury, but he's one to look at. And, uh, oh, there's this guy, Rafa Nadal. Maybe you've heard of him, too. He's uh, <laughs> he's looking to make some noise as well, in which could be perhaps his last season on tour, depending on how much gas he's got left in the tank. On the women's side, uh, more wide open, although number one, Iga Sviantek won two slams last year. She's got a huge forehand and is someone who is uh, looking to sort of add to what she did last year and show that it was no fluke. Other than that, Coco Goff is a young American talent. I think she's someone that we're going to be seeing for years to come in both singles and doubles. Again, a really classy player, someone who's young but just gets the overall context of the sport. And uh, and I think she's someone who's going to make a lot of noise this year as well as she continues her rise to the top of the women's game. Uh, Mike, one final one on the way out. So when you project Felix and, and how he plays now and, and, and sort of where he will be, at some point when he wins a slam, who does he project like? Well, to me, he projects like a future number one. He's got the, the game. He's got the, the mental capabilities. And he's someone who's been on the radar since he was 13, 14 years old. Like people knew this kid was going to be something special. And so the serve and, uh, and the forehand, you put him up there with, with any of the greats. And he has to obviously win those majors to, to you know, purposefully belong there. But I think he's got the skill set and the mentality to do it. And when you look at what he's done year after year in his first few years as a pro, he's well on his way. All that's missing now is that breakthrough in in the the late stages of a Grand Slam. I wouldn't be surprised if 2023 is the year it happens for Felix. Mike, thanks very much. Appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Jim. Take care. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 32 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Well, let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romanning, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at mtgdean. Go to safebridgefinancial.com or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. Now we're going to have the ultimate guest. He is the ultimate Leafs fan, the ultimate sports appraiser, and he has written a book called The Ultimate Tales the ultimate true tales from beer league hockey, Mike Wilson. Mike, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jim. Our pleasure. So let's talk about ultimate true tales from beer league hockey, which may suggest that there may be a book called ultimate false tales from beer league hockey coming about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Uh, (laughs) 
that you know that is a very good way to put it because just think about that guy who 25 years ago and we've all played with them who somehow he fell down because he could barely stand up and the puck went off the back of his pants in the net but today in the yeah. bar at 60 years of age he went around three guys and uh, roofed it after uh, toe dragging the defenseman so there yeah. is uh, some truth to that in the false tale side <laughs> so putting this book together how did you know, first first of all how did you come up with the idea and what was the process like Okay, so what I did was after, you know, I played all my life and stuff like that. And I stopped for about 12 years because of that hit. And then when I retired in 16, 2016, I started playing again. And one of the first things I noticed was sitting in the room with all my buddies and guys, new guys I was meeting was the stories were still the same. You go to the bar and it's still the same guy who hogs the puck, who won't come off, the guy who won't pay his fees. You know, the dreaded 11th border comes in the room and everybody looks like they've just been, you know, given news to uh, a death sentence because they don't know how to handle it or deal with it and screw it up. And all these stories and the stories about referees and uh, policemen, firemen. And I thought, you know, somebody's got to get this on paper. I mean, you know, so I did some research and there were, there were some beer league books out there. But I thought I should just gather all these stories, talk to guys I know. And, you know, I just don't feel right using other people's stories to make money. So I thought. You know, Deb and I, my wife, we do a lot of charities, so I thought, why not put towards something on the charity side and use the money? And nothing more fitting than, especially with guys in our age, although after what we saw happen in Cincinnati a week ago, uh, defibrillators, and put them in the hockey rinks and community centers across Canada and the U.S. that don't have them or can't afford them. So we're working with a company called Rescue 7 out of Markham, who's a former firefighter, John Colley, and he's going to give them at a discounted rate and install them. And so I've spent the last year and a bit working on it and speaking to guys. And I've put this book together with the help of a great editor out of uh, Seattle by the name of Gwen Dreyfus, who did it at a very reasonable rate. And um, we self-published the book. We sell them for $20. And Jim, as I said, you know, the idea is, you know, the cost of the book for $20 is basically two beers or one beer at Scotiabank Arena. And, you know, even if you don't like the book, (laughs) you know, even if you don't like the book, or you don't like, you know, you don't like me or what I've written, you are possibly helping save a life, including your own one day. Well, that that's just an excellent idea. Uh, and so when you said that, I mean, I guess we're under the, maybe under the, the theory that, that all these rinks have defibrillators, but they don't, do they? No, they don't. And there's, there's and John, John's company has the list with all the, the rinks across the country and throughout North America that doesn't, don't have them. And we're going to be working with those guys. So the idea is, Jim, what we do is we'll reach out to them. And if they buy some books, you know, just to help defray some of the costs on what won't stall. And then if somebody wants to dedicate it to somebody, they can. So there's lots of great things that can go along with this. And, uh, you know, selling out of the trunk of your car is a bit of a grind being self-published. So Deb has been working around the clock on emails coming in. Believe me, we never get too many of them. So we'll take all of them. And your book is an example of what yours was supposed to get to you two weeks ago, and somehow we're sending you another one today. But I've got a very ambitious plan that I'm going to do. I'm going to share with your listeners, and anybody can stop me along the way and help. In March, I'm going to go to Richmond, B.C. to attend the Men's World Rec Championships. 110 teams. I'm paying my own way, by the way. The charity's not paying for any of it. And then I'm going to go to Victoria, where a guy invited me who's got the ultimate fan cave. And he invited me to come and see his cave, but they've got a tournament that weekend of 40 teams. So I talked it over with Devin and said, you know what? Why don't I drive? 
I'm going to leave in mid-March and I'm going to drive and stop along the way because I know guys I've played with and hockey guys are hockey guys. And, you know, it's a bond we all have as a brotherhood. And hopefully guys will, I, I can, I'm going to stop along the way and meet guys and, and move books between now and, you know, go get the Victoria and come all the way back. So it's going to be, it's an ambitious project, but I'm going to try it. Well, you know what? We did this when you did the, the tour of all the NHL ranks, all the, with the Leafs. Uh, yeah. We did like, periodical check-ins on a show I was doing. So now that I'm doing this show, why don't we do periodical check-ins on that trip? That would be wonderful. And, you know, what we're going to do is we want to reach out to some of the media guys or anybody and uh, just, just to help. And if I can meet somebody along the way and I'm going to stop in tournaments or guys are going to skates or go to the bar where guys are after a game and hopefully they'll buy some bucks. But, you know, there's lots of great stories in there and it's been getting some pretty good reviews from guys because I'm sharing the stories and, you know, it goes anywhere from, you know, like one story is an example. One of, there was a cop who was playing one night in his league and he was going to the rink in full uniform and the ship was ending just as the game was about to start. So what he did was he, along the way, he arrested a guy. Now it wasn't a very serious crime, but he still had to book this guy. But if he took him into the station, he would miss his game. So he took the guy to the rink handcuffed him to a seat in the arena. And imagine this, 10 o'clock at night in a freezing cold night, the only guy in the rink, he handcuffed him to the seat and said to the guy, if you cheer really loud for me, I'll let you go. And so here he gave the number, and this guy's up in the stand screaming and yelling this guy's number. And the guy's in bench going, who's that guy? And again, he pretended he didn't know, but then he told them after me, I'll start to howl it. That's a great story. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of the many, you know. And, you, you, you know, you get... You get all kinds from guys, you know, about, you know, there was another one, uh, you know, a referee who was doing a game one night, a real level game, and the guys used to get themselves in a pretty good condition, if you know what I mean, before they played. And the yeah. goalies usually do worse. And let's put it this way. He got a break, and he was expecting anything with these guys, but he turned around, and there was the goalie turned in the net using it as a bathroom. Oh. oh. Yeah, during the game. Yeah, so, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, you know, the stories are just, you know, yeah. endless. And, uh, you know, guys are happy to share them and hopefully guys relate to them. We've sold almost 700 books so far. We've had it, we've wow. only had the book for a couple of weeks. Yeah, so we're quite happy with that. And, you know, the guys have been very supportive. And anybody who plays beer league can relate to it. And there's, you know, there's stories in there for everybody about, you know, crazy goalies. And uh, there was a goalie, and there was a story about a goalie who was, not a very good goalie playing in the beer league. And he was always stopping the puck before it crossed the red line. And when it came into the other team's end. So one of the defensemen said, well, you're, you're, you're negating an icing. So what you should do is stand on the other side of the red line. And if the puck crosses it, you know, it'll be icing. And then you'll be able to know the difference. If it isn't icing, then you can pass it up to one of us. So the next time the puck came down the ice, he did that. The only problem was he was standing in the crease and across the goal line and went in the net. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a guy who, you know, so, you know, the, the, the reaches of the stories are just, you know, endless, you know, or the guys who, uh, you know, go to tournaments, you know, guys are like in tournaments, they, you know, they, they're, they're like, like, you know, you know, senior tournaments, I guess, for old, old timers are like spring break for kids in college, they get yeah. away and all of a sudden there's no boundaries, no barriers, and everybody just goes crazy. And they're usually regretting it when they go home by Sunday night. So one team swore they always played so bad all the time because they would just get themselves in brutal condition from you know, spending too much time be in, behind the beer taps. And they said, okay, we're going to have a rule. 
no more. Anybody who has more than four beers can't play. Everybody agree to that? They said, yes, everybody has to be in the honor system. So, of course, the second game of the Saturday, these, the coaches or the, you know, the guy on the team's looking at some of the players and a few of the guys are wobbly. How many did you have, Joe? I, I'm sitting out. I've had, I've had more than four. What about you, Ralph? I'm sitting out, too. What about you, Jim? I'm sitting out, too. Then he looks at the worst guy, and he's the guy wobbling the most. And he's going, Billy, you okay? Yep. Have you been drinking beer today? Nope. I've been drinking whiskey since this morning. No beer. <laughs> it's always a way around the rules. <laughs> you got about a minute here to, to, to help us uh, figure this out. Uh, in, in terms of uh, how people buy this book, how, how can they do that, Mike? Yeah, they can get a hold of us through. Now, if you're not a Leaf fan, sorry, guys, but it's ultimateleafsfan.com forward slash books. And Deb will get right back to you, and we'll get a book in your hands as fast as we can. It said $20, guys. You know, just think about well, just think about last Wednesday, last Monday night in in Cincinnati, and yeah. I was on another station, and a, and a mother was on before me with her 15 year old son who had been saved by a defibrillator playing hockey. So they do get used, guys. They get used all the time, and we just don't hear about it. But they definitely get used, and they're operated all the time, and they're very easy to use, and they've saved lots of lives. Mike, thanks very much. This is inspirational. Thank you very much for having me, Jim. Appreciate it. Always. And you'll be back as you continue on the road. Thanks, Mike. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Go to SafeBridgeFinancial.com or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter, funeral directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit TurnerPorter.ca. This is Yes Guy of the Radio Show on TSN 1050. Yes, guy. No guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the officially sanctioned Yes, Guy, No Guy segment on the radio show Yes, Guy on TSN 1050. The topic is winter driving. Special guest is Frankie C. Frankie C., are you ready? I'm ready, guy. Okay. Yes, guy, no guy. Winter driving, winter tires. No guy. I have all-wheel drive, and I, I consider myself to be a pretty good driver. A little bit cautious, but keeping up with the pace of things. So with the all-wheel drive, I go with the all-season. So no guy to winter tires. Oh, okay. Yes, guy, no guy. Number two, you speed up when it snows. No, guy. I hate that. What is wrong with people? It's like people think they're invincible or something, and they can start weaving in and out of traffic when there's snow and there's low visibility. I don't get it, man. I just go with the flow when it's winter driving. Yes, guy. No, guy. Number three, you make sure your car is clean so you can see your mirrors and there are no blind spots on your windows. I would love to tell you that I I am 100% yes guy on this. But, Jimmy, every once in a while, you're just in a rush in the morning, and you're like, ah, I think I can get by without the back windows cleared off. So maybe a little bit of a bad habit uh, for me there. Yes guy, no guy number four, ice scraper. Yes guy, but I will say my ice scraper is hanging on by a thread, and I have been oh. so cheap and lazy to go get a new one. Every time I go use this thing, it actually comes apart in two pieces, and I have to hold it in the middle of the thing to make sure it doesn't break. So it's hanging on. It gets a lot of use, but I could definitely use a new one. 
Yes, guy, no guy number five. You have a box in your trunk that is outfitted with material in case you get stranded. Yes, guy. Very important. I do have that. Now, what's in the box and how to properly use the items that are in that box completely eludes me. But that box does exist and it is in my car. Yes, guy, no guy number six. You stay home when it snows. If I can, yes, guy, for sure. But there's been times where you're just kind of in a jam and you know you got to go do something and, and you have to do your best to make sure you get there safely and not put yourself or anyone else at risk. But, Jimmy, if I can stay home in my sweats and a hoodie and curl up on the couch, maybe throw a little vinyl on, hey, oh, oh. Jimmy, Jimmy style, <laughs> then I'm definitely staying home. Uh, yes, guy, no guy, number seven. The last one from this side of the equation. You are more cautious when you drive in the rain than in snow. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say yes, guy, because when the, when the rain starts coming down, in this city especially, it feels like the roads tend to flood a little bit, like right away. You know when we get those almost torrential downpours? It doesn't even yeah. need to be a torrential downpour, but it's like you're driving, and then there's a little bit of flooding. There's puddles and and i see people hydroplaning kind of swerving in and out so even when it is raining i i will slow it down quite a bit just to make sure we're, we're getting where we need to go safely jimmy at the end of the day if you're five minutes late who cares you got where that's you right. needed to go yeah that's a yes guy go ahead sir all right i'll kick things off with the same question you asked me first jimmy yet uh winter tires Yes, guy. I'm, I'm a big fan of winter tires. Don't have the all-wheel drive, but I've been in situations where you know, like I've never missed anything, so you have to be there, so you have to have winter tires. So that's a yes guy for me. Okay, supplemental yes guy, no guy. The appointment to go get your winter tires put on and taken off is a huge hassle. Uh, no guy, because I, I get them done at the dealer, and they phone me up and say, would you like to do this a little early? We'll get you in and out. So no guy. No, the tap man does not mess around with that stuff. Oh, you're good. You're all set up. It's like yeah. clockwork for you. All right, Jimmy. Yes guy, no guy number two. Parking in a garage in the winter. Oh, yes, guy. Oh, and I do that. What a relief that is. It is such a relief. I used, to live, I used to live in the city, so I never had to worry about it. I had an underground parking garage. But then I moved up to the Burbs, and the first winter, my car was outside. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. So I made some room in the garage. I'm in and out of that garage, and I'm getting to a warm car every morning, Jimmy. All right, yes guy, no guy, number three, Jimmy. You have copious amounts of windshield washer fluid available at all times. Oh, yes, guy. Always a couple of extra jugs in the trunk. Absolutely. You don't want to get caught with that. I don't know what your car is like, but my car must be the thirstiest car for windshield <laughs> washer fluid. <laughs> the amount that you just have a, a minor touch-up on the windshield and the amount of fluid that gets onto the windshield it just drains it all so i always have to have extra kicking around all right yes guy no guy number four jimmy from time to time you will do donuts not eat donuts but you will do donuts in a parking lot uh yes guy i'm guilty uh, you know <laughs> kind of fun right it's like is... <laughs> of course guy yes, i can guy. see i can see the tat man just checking his schedule saying hey you know what i got a couple hours to kill today why don't i head over and uh do some spin outs in the parking lot now this is one i'm guilty of this is the last one from this side of the table i'm guilty of this if i'm at a stop sign and i'm ready to go and i see there's a little bit of a icy road or a little bit of snow 
I'm not shy to spin out. I keep it back on the rails, but I will do a little spin out just for entertainment purposes. I probably shouldn't be admitting this to you, but Jimmy, yes guy, no guy, spinning out in a safe way when possible. I'm going to say no guy. I, the parking <laughs> lot's one thing when there's nobody around, but uh, I, you don't know where it could go. So I'm going to, I'm going to say no guy, not interested in that. Yeah, that's a, that's the right answer. That is the responsible answer. Unfortunately, mine is not the right answer. Well, that concludes another edition of Yes Guy, No Guy and Yes Guy, the radio show. Hope you enjoyed episode 107. Hope you come back next week for episode 108. And there's only one way to go out, Frankie C, on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, yes guy! guy.